once again, it's great to see you in church today. I am excited about what God is saying to us right now. If you've got a Bible open to Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, we're going to begin reading there in a few minutes. I'm going to finish up a short two-week series that we started last week. I'm going to complete it today. And, you know, I've had so much response from so many people this week. I've run into people around town. Uh, I've seen people here in the offices. Great response to what we shared last week. But I want to get into God's Word today because God has started something, and I want us to see how God finishes the things that He starts. So if we could this morning, let's just take a moment and pray together, okay? Father, we honor you today. We just lay our hearts and our, our ears at your feet, and we ask that you would speak to us today, that you would speak into our hearts the things that we need to hear, that we could be hearers of the word and then doers of the word. And Father, I believe today as we hear your word, we're going to be encouraged to stand in faith, to believe you, and let you finish the things that you've started. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Let me take about three minutes and recap what we taught last week because it really does set up what we're going to finish with today. At the end of service, I'm going to be praying for you. Not only that, we're going to be singing a worship song at the end and really digging in and believing God to do the things in our lives He's promised to do. But let me just set this up for you today. Last week, we talked about the fact that God has given us in His Word kingdom principles to help us navigate life and to navigate our faith, knowing how to live by faith, because faith is ultimately important to God. If faith is important to God, then faith needs to be important to me. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not talking about casual faith, because he goes on to say, those who come to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Three or four times in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we read the words, the just shall live by their faith. And we need to understand, as we walk with God, we have to have a walk of faith. We have to learn to live a daily life of faith. And in this series that we're doing, we're talking about faith, for every season. And there's a couple of kingdom principles that I shared last week, and I just want to mention them real quickly. First, we talked about the principle of the mustard seed. Jesus said the mustard seed is the smallest of seeds, but yet when it's planted in the ground and it's full grown, it produces not just a plant, not just a bush, but literally some, spe or some of the uh, seeds that are mustard seeds will actually produce a tree where the birds can come and build nests within the tree. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like that. God may start with tiny, tiny, tiny things, but when God is finished, God builds some amazing things. And then the second thing we talked about is the kingdom principle of seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. It's a natural law. It's a spiritual law. And I'll show you more of that in just a few minutes. I used the illustration last week. We plant seed right here. And then we go through a process of time and energy and work, and then we reap a harvest right here. It's true in the natural, but it's also true in the spiritual. We know a lot about seed time and we know about harvest, but not a lot of us understand the process that lies between the two. And we need to understand that process. 
the third thing we talked about last week is that I have a role to play. You have a role to play in seeing God fulfill his plans in our lives. I must recognize God's principles and recognize God's process. Galatians 6, 6, he said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. He said, don't make faces at God, don't laugh this off. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And then he goes on to say, don't be weary in well-doing, but in due season you shall reap if you faint not. What he says is, plant the seed, believe for the harvest, but in the meantime, in the process, don't give up, continue to trust God. And then last of all, last week we talked about my faith and God's process are going to be challenged. The enemy will try to plant seeds in my life to make me give up on the harvest. Seeds of negativity, seeds of doubt and unbelief, seeds of impatience, seeds of confusion, and even battles that we have to fight along the way. And we closed the message last week talking about a guy in the Old Testament whose name was Shammah. Shammah was an unusual character. He was one of David's mighty men. But when the Philistines attacked his part of Israel, the land where he lived, everybody began to run in fear. Everybody ran away and hid except Shammah. And all by himself, he planted himself in the middle of his bean field, and he said, this is my bean field. God gave it to me. God's growing it. The enemy cannot have it. I'm going to stay here to harvest. And Scripture says the Spirit of God came upon him, and he killed all of the enemy, probably hundreds, perhaps even thousands of people. He, one man by himself killed all of them and protected what God had given to him. And we learned last week that sometimes you have to fight for the things that God has promised to you. Now today I want to begin my message, setting aside last week, but tying to it. I want to begin with a thought from Philippians. Paul said this, and you don't need to turn there, but Paul said, Philippians 1, 6, he said, I am confident of this one thing. Everybody say, I am confident. Now, come on. If you're going to say, I am confident, you have to say it confidently, okay? Not, I'm very confident. It's not like that. I am confident. Let's say it together. I am confident. Paul said, I'm confident that God has begun a good work in you, and God who began that good work is going to finish what he started. Can I begin today by telling you when God starts something, he intends to finish it? If God has started something in your life, he's going to finish what he started. But a part of what God is doing is the process that develops things in us while he's creating things for us. And we need to recognize that today. So look, if you would, at... Isaiah 55, we'll begin reading in just a moment, verse number 10. Let me give you one more thought. We tend to look at the big picture and say, well, God does things. How many of you believe God does things? How many of you believe God's involved in our lives? God does things. When the big picture, that, that's true, but in the micro, in individual cases, oftentimes God starts something he walks us through a process, and then he finishes what he started. I'm going to show that to you today. Isaiah 55, <clears throat> let's begin verse number 10. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain comes down 
and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there but water the earth. How many understand what he's saying so far? Okay. This is the natural law. Rain and snow fall from heaven, and they don't hit the earth and bounce back up, but they come with a purpose. Rain and snow are sent by God upon the earth for a purpose. But they water the earth, and they make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's purpose. God says there's this process. It's a natural process. I send rain and snow upon the earth, and it waters the earth. It causes the seed to grow, and eventually it brings in a harvest, which allows us to have seed to sow and bread to eat. Now, just as that is a natural law, it's also a spiritual law. I taught a little bit about this last week from Galatians 6. But look at the next verse, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Now, stop right there. So shall my words be that go forth from my mouth. So shall my words be. Verse 10, he talks about the natural law of sowing and reaping. And now he's drawing a spiritual comparison. So shall, in the same manner, shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. So God says, my word comes to water your life, to give you promises, to encourage you, to help you hang on because I'm going to finish the things that I started. Notice what he says next. It shall not return to me void or empty. Do you know why I encourage you to read this? Because it doesn't come back empty. It will produce something in our lives, something that God has sent it to do. Then it goes on to say this, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So what we see in this passage of Scripture is just as God gives rain and snow to water the earth and to create a harvest in the same way he sends forth his word as seed and as water in our lives to produce a harvest. What does a seed produce? It produces what it is. I, I wish I had time today. I don't really, but I, I wish I'd had time to, to bring some seeds. Behind my house, there are some huge, huge oak trees. It's the California oak trees. It's its own species, its own, its own strength. It's, it's, they're amazing trees. And people say they're 150, 200 years old, maybe older. Huge trees. But at certain times of the year, we get acorns falling all around my house from these trees. And these acorns are like this big, but everything that's needed to produce that huge tree is right there in that seed. So God says, I give you my word as a seed. And the kingdom of God starts with little bitty things, and it promises great big things. But everything that's needed to create that big thing is right there in that tiny thing. So God says, when I give you my word, when I make a promise, when you're reading the scripture and all of a sudden something jumps off the page and it comes alive to you and God says, I want to do this in your life, we need to understand that God wants us to grab it, plant it in the soil of our heart and let God develop what he wants to develop in us. That's how God works. Now, Look, if you would, at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to share just two main thoughts the next few minutes. 
before we get to the end of service and then we look to God to finish the work he started in our lives. But look at, look at Luke chapter 8. This is the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus gave us some information that I'll show you here in just a second. But he said there's four types of soil. Dirt, okay? He says there's wayside soil. That's soil that's unintended and unexpected to receive seed. He said there's rocky soil that's hard, hasn't been broken up. He said there's soil that has thorns and thistles and weeds. And then he said there's good soil. Now, why is this important? Let's read together. Jesus gives us the explanation of this parable. I want to walk through the explanation, then I'll give you the information I want you to see. Verse 11, Jesus said, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. What did I tell you earlier? The word of God is what? Seed. The seed is the word of God. Jesus has given this story, and he's talking about how seed develops or does not develop in our lives. The seed is the word of God. Verse 12. The seeds sown by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. What he's saying is there are times when people will hear the word of God, but it falls on unprepared ground. People aren't ready to hear it and receive it. They're not expecting God to show up. And as a result, the enemy comes in, eats the seed, takes it away, and it does them no good. And he goes a little further. Verse 13. But the seeds sown on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, but they have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Jesus said a second time of, type of soil, a second type of heart, is a, a stony heart, a rocky start. It hasn't been properly plowed and prepared. It's not really built up with faith. It's not anxious to receive the word of God. And Jesus said... There is seed that falls into this heart. People hear the news. They hear the message. But then over a period of time, when trial and temptation, when the weeds begin to grow and you have to fight for your faith, these people back away and say, well, I'm not so sure. And they give up on it. And literally, the word cannot get down into the soil of their heart and take root. And it dies out and it gets scorched by the trials and the temptations. And then Jesus said this next, verse number 14. Now, the ones that fell among thorns are those who... When they've heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. I told you last week about a garden that I inherited many years ago when I bought a piece of property, and it was eaten up, totally destroyed by weeds and thorns. Jesus said, you can take you can take seed into your heart, but if your heart is not prepared for the long run, for the process, that if there are thistles and thorns growing in there, it will keep that thing from growing to maturity. It'll grow for a while, but it gets choked up and doesn't come to the end process. And Jesus says the thing that does that is cares of life, pleasures of life, deceitfulness of riches. I get so tied up with so many things that I don't have time to stay with my crop to the end. So I give up on my crop because I think what I can do by myself is just as good as what I can do with God's help. And that's deceit. But then notice the last thing Jesus says, verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it, keep it, keep it, and bear fruit with 
patience. So Jesus said, if your heart's prepared and you're ready for the long haul, that what you sowed and what God has put in your heart, the end of it will come to pass and it'll produce its harvest if I take care of it. That's why we walked through Galatians 6 last week. Don't be weary in well-doing, but in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. Now, what do we learn from this? This parable, what does it teach us? It teaches me that I have the responsibility to receive God's Word and to care for God's Word. I have responsibility to receive and to care for the seed, the promises God makes to me. Now, let me ask two questions here. Number one, has God made a promise to you about the situation you're facing right now? Is there a promise in God's word for your situation? If there is, you need to do something with it. Is there a promise for your situation? Number two, the second question is, what are you doing with God's promise? What are you doing with God's seed? Are you tending the soil? Are you pulling the weeds? Are you believing? Or are you just saying, well, whatever happens, happens? God has given us a responsibility to walk this process out, to not give up, but to hang on even in tough seasons. Now, now let me show you something. In, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a story, and I'm not going to have you turn there, but I want to just look at a couple of highlights of it. In Luke 18, Jesus told this story. He said, there was this woman, and she got cheated. I don't know if it was a business deal or what it was, but somehow she got cheated, and somebody had taken money from her that didn't belong to them. And so this woman came to the judge in her day. And she walked to the courthouse. She went in before the judge. She said, look, here's what happened. This guy cheated me out of my money. He stole it away from me. He lied all about it. I can't do anything about it. I want you to give me justice over what's happened here. But it says that the judge was an unjust judge. By unjust, it explained it. He did not fear God. He did not fear men. He had his position. He was the judge. He didn't care what anybody else thought. His word was the final word. And he didn't care if it was right or wrong. Whatever he wanted to do, he did. And so this woman came in and he said, you know what? I don't care anything about this. Just go away and leave me alone. I don't care about your case. The scripture says, and Jesus told the story, she just kept coming back to the judge, knocking on the door, walking into court. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I haven't got what's rightfully mine. Wait a minute. This process is not finished correctly. Wait a minute. And scripture says, finally, this guy came to the place where he looked at the situation. And this judge even said, I don't fear God. I don't fear men. But this woman is driving me crazy. Have you ever known a woman like that? Be careful. Be careful. So Jesus said, Hear the parable. If an unjust judge gets weary hearing the cry of a woman that he doesn't care anything about and gives her what she's asking for, how much more does our loving Heavenly Father want to give us the things that we are asking for? And here's what Jesus taught about it. He said in Luke 18, verse 1, he says, I'm teaching this to help you understand that men always, always, always ought to pray and not lose heart. Keep praying. 
Keep believing. Keep reminding God. Keep thanking God. Keep pulling the weeds. Keep fighting the battle. Don't give up on what God has promised. Don't give up on your bean field. God's going to bring it to fruition. Trust him. Don't give up. Don't give up. And at the end of the story, Jesus said, God may bear long, but when he answers, he's going to answer speedily. What it's saying is the process may take a while. And you may think, man, this has taken God a long, long time. But when due season comes, it's going to happen, bam, so fast, so quickly, you'll be amazed at how God has worked. And you will know this is the hand of God at work in my life. So keep praying, keep believing, and do not give up. And then there's one more thing I want to share, a second principle. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. I love this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy 11. We're going to read it together. We'll have the verses on the screen. I love this passage because, again, it gives us a natural picture and then it gives us the spiritual application and implication. God had delivered Israel out of the land of bondage in Egypt. Egypt, was where they were, was a delta land where the Nile River flowed through there. And those slaves, those Israelites who were in bondage there, they would plant their crops and then they had to go out and run some kind of conduit to the river and they had these foot pumps that they would pump to suck the water up out of the river and they would spend a lot of their time exhausting hot summer work in that hot, humid sun, stomping on that pump, trying to keep those plants alive to feed themselves. But God said, I'm about to give you the land of promise and it's different in the land of promise. Now, I want us to look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10. The Lord says, For the land which, I, which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you've come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. The new land's different. Verse 11. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. Now, once you get this picture, God said in the past to make anything work, you were out there in the hot sun doing this. But I'm telling you, I'm leading you to a place where you can put the seed in the ground. I'll give you the promise. You put it in the ground. You take care of the soil. You tend it and pull the weeds and fight for that land. And you wait and see. I will send you rain to see that that crop grows to fruition. It's God's promise. That's God's promise for the process. Now, you've got to keep reading. Verse 12, it's a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Have you ever prayed? Keep that, that scripture up there for a moment. Have you ever prayed and thought, God, do you care about what's going on in my life? God, do you care? I planted the seed. I believed you, and here I am in this hot sun, and it's looking bad. God, you rained on my life. I knew you were going to do this, but here I am three hours later, and I haven't seen an answer to prayer yet. Here I am three days, three weeks, three months, three years later. You know, Abraham waited 25 years for his answer. But God, don't you care? It says right here, God says, I care about your bean field. 
I care about what's going on in your life. And he goes so far as to say the entire year from January all the way through to the end of December to the next January, all year long, my eyes are upon your life and your land and what's going on. God knows where you are today, friend. God knows what's going on with your crop. God knows you're out in the hot sun wondering, is it going to work or is it not going to work? Here's what it says next. Verse number 13. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. Everybody, pause here just a moment. God gives you enough rain in every season. God said, I'll give you... Some of you are out there doing this. Okay, God, I'm stopping the foot pump. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, you're not. God says, I'll send the rain into your life. Trust me. Trust me. Believe me. Believe me. You're in the middle. Believe me. Quit trying to do it all by yourself. God says, believe me. What does he say? I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain and then the latter rain. That you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. I'm almost finished, so listen closely. When God starts a process in our life, we get all excited because he, he gives us his word. He gives us a seed. He gives us a promise. We put it in the ground, and he begins to rain on our lives. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God's going to give me that over there. Yes, yes, yes. This is awesome. But in this process of time, sometimes we stop seeing rain. We stop seeing signs that we can fasten our eyes and our hands and our mind to. Our senses don't see anything happening. And then summertime comes. Did you know you usually plant seed in the spring and then it gets really hot before the harvest comes? And God said, don't worry about stomping on the pump because there's a first rain that begins things, but when it gets hot and dry and it's not going to work, God said, the land I'm giving you brings a second rain. And it's true in the land of Israel where God promised that land to his people. They get the early rain that starts the crops and then they get a second latter rain just before harvest that finishes the crop and brings it to fruition. God said, I'll give you the early rain and then I'll give you the latter rain that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. Doesn't matter what it looks like in the middle. It doesn't matter if you've been waiting three months or three years. It doesn't matter if God said he's going to do it. Stay in the process. Because the last rain's coming to finish what God has started. Why? Because if God starts something, he intends to finish it. My job is to let God be God and for me to believe him. I want you to listen to this testimony video this morning. It's a few minutes long, but listen closely. It's a great story. I think it'll encourage you today.
When our son Owen was a baby about six months old, he grabbed his older sister's sippy cup and uh, full of milk and took a drink and um, ended up breaking out in horrific hives um, all over his face and, and chest and body. It was just covered in them. Um, so we called the doctor immediately and they, and they said, he probably has a milk allergy. And um, so they get, had us do a blood test. They told us that we would receive results next week, um, but then they ended up calling the next morning at 9 a.m. Yeah, when the doctor calls you the next morning right away, you know that it's something big or something that's gonna change your life. Owen was diagnosed with something called atopic march and she referred us over to an immunologist where we learned that atopic march is in a dysfunction in the immune system. Not only did Owen have a milk allergy, but he had 18 different foods that he was allergic to and had to avoid. It was really hard to go to the grocery store. We couldn't go into sprouts or things like that because the dust in the air from the foods would just send Owen into an allergic reaction where he would break out in hives, his airways would tighten. So we really needed God to intervene and we were desperate for a miracle. So we began to search out what God's word says about healing. Um, and, as, and as we read, we really felt like um, that God wants us to be healthy. He wants every one of us to be healthy and whole. Um, you know, that's his, his desire for us. And as we began to pray about it, um, he really confirmed that to us and he confirmed that that's what he wants for Owen. And sometimes it would just get discouraging. Like, um, sometimes we just felt like, you know, God just wasn't giving us an answer at all. And so we really tried to seek out, you know, other godly people that would stand with us and pray with us and, and really stand on that promise that, that God gave us. God's word promises health and wholeness, but we didn't have that for Owen and it was heartbreaking. And there were so many nights that I would lay awake in bed and I would just cry out to God. God, why haven't you done anything? Why haven't you fixed this? It's been years, we've been asking, we've been praying. Please just step out and do something. And one night God did answer me and he said, Sarah, I am with you. And my response was, God, that's not good enough. You are with me? I need you to fix this. I don't need you to be with me. And I realized through that response that I wanted the healing more than I wanted the healer. I wanted this immediate fix, but God was more interested in everything that he wanted to do in us and through us in the process of healing than he was in the immediate fix for Owen. We were here visiting family and we attended service here at the bridge and Pastor Gary was preaching from uh, 2 Kings telling the story of Hezekiah and um, so in that story Hezekiah received some some bad news in the form of a, of a letter um, and um, and so what Hezekiah did was he kind of spread out that that letter and laid it out before God and um, and just said, God, here it is. You know, this is what they're saying. Uh, we need deliverance from this. So we drove back home to Arizona that afternoon. And one of the first things we did when we got home was we went around the house and we gathered up everything we could find pertaining to Owen's illness. We took down his emergency action plans we had posted in case there was an emergency. Um, his EpiPens, his breathing machine, 
all of his prescriptions, all of the test results, doctor's notes, you name it. If we had it in the house, we gathered it up, we laid it out before God, and we said, God, do you see this? And then we said, God, we need you to deliver us from this. We need you to intervene. We need you to act on this. And we began to stand on the promise in 2 Peter 5 that says that God has the final word over this situation for Owen. And it's not the doctors, it's not the test results, but it is God who has the final say. Each time that we would return to the allergy specialist, um, Owen's blood tests and skin tests would begin to improve. Slowly but surely he was um, being cleared of, of these allergies. So first he was cleared of the soy allergy and then eggs and then almonds, so he was able to have almond milk, so that was huge. And then just this last July, he was healed of his dairy allergy, so he was able to have milk, um, cheese, ice cream, you know, it's, it was a huge deal. But then there, there were times, you know, then, and I feel like there's always times where the, the enemy tries to creep back in and you have to fight, um, and you have to fight using that faith and, and fight for that healing. Two days after Owen received healing and a clean bill of health for that milk allergy, um, we were with some friends and we were eating ice cream, we were celebrating what God had done and Owen began to have a reaction to the milk and the ice cream and um, he was just covered in hives. His lips were starting to swell, his tongue was starting to swell, um, his breathing was getting wheezy and a little bit labored and it was just the worst reaction we had ever seen. And so I was held my baby in one arm and I held his EpiPen in the other and debated is this the time that I'm supposed to do this? I don't understand because God just healed him. This isn't supposed to be happening. And I was with a friend and, and she said, Sarah, should I call 911? And, and I said, no, we need to pray. And for the first time, I really understood what it meant to pray with authority over Owen's body because God had already given him that healing. And so we were able to just command those hives out in the name of Jesus, um, that reaction led his body almost completely by the time that we were done praying. It was really a miraculous thing that, that God did in him that day, but we sure had to dig our heels in in faith. We had to really remember God's word in Isaiah 43 when he says, if I have done something, who could undo it? And we just had to keep remembering that and declaring that over Owen. God's done this and nobody can undo it. It hasn't always been an easy process in this journey of faith, but, but it's absolutely one that is worth it. Um, God's really taught us how to embrace the process. Although we will get to healing and you know not to discard the end result, but there's so much that he wants to do in us in the process. It's also reminded us that we shouldn't throw away our confidence in what God has promised us. We're so thankful for the journey and we're so thankful to have grown in faith and we can honestly say that we are thankful for everything that our family has endured if it's meant that we are growing in our relationship with God and our ability to trust Him. Isn't that great? You know, God's no respecter of persons. He wants us to take him at his word, plant that seed, tend that crop, let him produce a harvest in our lives. In the Old Testament, a number of occasions, God would tell his people, seek my face. Seek my face. I think part of the lesson you learn here, that in this process that John and Sarah went through, they learned 
not just to seek God's hand, but to seek his face for what he was trying to do in their lives. And when they embraced that process, victory came. What a story. And this morning as I close my message, I want to read two passages of Scripture. James chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Wait patiently for it until it, re- until it receives the early and the latter rain. Verse 8, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Sometimes we've got to be patient. Believe God. Stand in faith. Like a farmer knows there's a process. I plant the seed, there's a process. And then there's a harvest. We need to learn to be patient, stand in faith. Then finally, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. It says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, which means lazy. You do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There are a lot of God's promises that we inherit in a process of faith and patience. This morning, I believe there are a lot of people in this house, you're believing God for something specific. You're believing God to finish something. You're in the process. It's dry, it's hot. You're looking at the soil, you're looking at the bushes, and you're saying, man, it's not looking good. I believe today God is about to pour out the latter rain, the second rain, to finish the process and lead us through to the harvest. So I wanna pray for you today. And I'm going to ask heads bowed for just one moment. Nobody's moving, nobody's looking. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many here would just lift a hand, put it right back down and say, Pastor, I'm going through the process. I want to hold on to the end. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. I want to see him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody stand to your feet today. I want to pray right now. We're going to worship God after after we finish praying this prayer. We'll dismiss you in just a few minutes, but please stay with us to the end. Let's pray. Father, across this room right now, I pray that you would take your word and establish our faith. We're not going to grow weary in well-doing. We're going to hang in there until harvest time, due season, knowing we're going to reap if we don't give up. Father, I pray today you would take your word and encourage people. Take this testimony and encourage people. Cause us to rise up and fight for our land, to fight for what you've given to us, to fight, to pull out the weeds and yank them aside and stand in faith with patience, knowing we will inherit the promises of God if we do not give up. Father, encourage people today, and right now I'm asking you to reign on our lives in Jesus' name. Lift your hands to heaven. Let's worship God together. Let's put our faith and our trust in Him. dry 
season is over there is a cloud beginning to swim Lift your eyes, offer your heart. Jesus Christ, open the heavens. Now we receive Spirit of God.
before we change the order of things, just look up to heaven if you would. Just lift your hands, even if you're a, a low lifter, that's okay. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive your reign. Lord, I receive your reign. Oh, God, reign in our lives. Reign in our lives. Reign in our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you're grateful for the harvest that's coming in your life, can you just say amen? Amen. Give God praise this morning. Now, as the house lights are coming up, before we go, I want to say a couple things. I'm sure there's somebody here today, you say, you know what? This whole thing's a little bit new to me. I don't totally understand all of it. I don't think I got this all figured out yet. Can I just tell you something? You just ask God to meet you right where you are. God will walk you through that process. Well, I got to be this and this. No, no, no. Let God meet you right where you are. Just keep walking with God and let him work. Amen. Please do that today. Hey, I love you guys. You, you have no idea how much I love preaching to you guys and being your pastor. I love you today so much. I'm excited what God's doing. Harvest is coming. In the weeks to come, when God, when God brings in the harvest in your life, I want you to get one of those praise cards out there and fill it out. Turn it back in the connection center. I want to hear the things that God's doing in your life, okay? Hey, how many are ready to receive the rain? Are you ready? God bless you. Early in service, just before you run for the exits, early in service, uh, Pastor Zach led you in a prayer. If you committed your heart and life to the Lord today, it's all new to you, or maybe you recommitted your life, we want to give you that booklet the next seven days. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need that you might have. Or if you're in a big rush, just before you leave the main doors going outside, there's the next seven days desk. Stop by there. They'll give you the book, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you. Have a great Independence Day. We love you.